This is the Breaking Labels Podcast, and I'm Rosanna Gill. Each episode, we'll discuss labels that have confined the stories of my guests at one point or another and their journeys to thrive beyond them. Some labels are external, and others we put on ourselves as limiting beliefs. But regardless of where the label comes from, we're here to break it because we were meant for so much more. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Breaking Labels podcast. I am your host, Rosanna Gill, and I am so grateful that you're here this week. Today, you're going to hear a conversation I had with Jim and Mary Burgoon, who are a couple and a family that is dealing with mental illness. And it is such a wonderful conversation. I got to ask them so many questions, and I'm so grateful that they were so open and willing to talk about their experience as a family. Because in from my experience, this is something that people don't typically talk as a family about. Um, it's something that a lot of people hide in shame. But, you know, Jim opens with a statistic that I think is pretty telling in that one in five people are dealing with mental illness. Ergo, one in five families are dealing with this. And there is absolutely no reason for people to feel alone or like you're the only family that this affects because it affects so many. So I'm so excited for you to hear this episode and to hear from Jim and Mary. But before we get into the episode, I did want to talk to you about our partner for the week, and it is Candid. I am actually using my Candid aligners as I record this intro. Now, If you have listened to the last few episodes, you've heard me talk about Candid and my experience thus far with straightening my teeth. I didn't have major issues with my teeth, but there had been some crowding and some shifting that had happened as of late, and I just, I didn't like it. So I decided to fix it. Now, the thing is, I decided to fix it back in 2019, and I went with a different company at the time. Um, I don't know if Candid was even around then, but I went with a different company, and I was not prepared, really, for the pain that I felt. And it was pretty inconvenient because I couldn't drink anything besides water with them. And as a girl who loves her some coffee multiple times a day and just, you know, drinks stuff other than water— I did, it was just a pain. It was a huge pain. And also, when I would take the aligners out every time I ate or drank anything besides water, it was also, again, very pretty painful. So I just, it was not a good experience. And long story short, I went a few weeks without wearing them. And when you do that, your your teeth shift back and I couldn't wear them anymore. So I ended up having to pay for it, but I did not finish the treatment. So I was a little hesitant to start Candid. Even once I went through the consultation and everything was great and easy and very upfront and, you know, they gave gave me tips on how I could mitigate any pain if I did feel it and the fact that I could drink things besides water while wearing my aligners, I still procrastinated starting the treatment because I just had such a bad experience before that I didn't want to go through it again. But I saw another picture and I hated how my teeth look. So I thought, all right, well, you got them. Let's go ahead and try it. I've been doing it for about five weeks now. No pain, no pain at all. And it's just convenient. And after you get accustomed to wearing them, you really don't, you don't mind it at all. Or at least I don't mind it. So all listeners of the podcast who decide to check out Candid, you can use the link in the show notes to set up a consultation, which will be in person. 
the great thing about the process is once you get your aligners, you don't have to be in person. Like they send you this really cool gadget that you use to take scans of your teeth every time you're changing out aligners so that it can be reviewed by an orthodontist and they can let you know whether you need to be wearing that tray or that those aligners a little bit longer or if everything's looking good, all that. But the only time you have to be in person is that initial consultation. And if you decide to do that consultation to buy aligners, if you use the link in the show notes, you get $250 off your aligners. Not a bad deal. So click that link if you are interested in having a consultation and possibly getting aligners and straightening your teeth with me. All right, guys, with that, let's get into this episode with Jim and Mary. All right. So I am here today with Jim and Mary Burgoon who I came across actually in a Facebook group for a program that we're both members of. And I don't remember how it even came up, but Jim mentioned that his wife had a mental illness. And I was one incredibly appreciative that somebody was open about that. Um, because if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, you know that I've shared my own family's experience and my experience with a mother who's mentally ill. And I've always wondered what it looks like for a family to work through this together, because it is a family. I don't want to say issue. It is a family. What would you say? It's a family challenge. Yes. Yes. So I, I'm very curious, you know, one, why you guys are so open and two, just, you know, what your story is. So let's start with why you've decided to be open with your story as a family. Mm. So years ago, we had actually were looking for mentors. Like we were pastors of a church. Mm-hmm. We were in this thing. And there was a lot of challenges behind the scenes because she was undiagnosed we, I, you know, just a lot of things going on. And so I, I remember the day that she was diagnosed and we, you know, she had got sent to the hospital. She was gone for th- 72 hours and she came home and said, Hey, guess what? And we're like, Oh, great. You know, we had no idea we were young. We've been together 20 years now. Number one, I will tell you that we've beaten all the odds on a lot of this. There are doctors and therapists look at us like how long, you know, this is, we have beaten odds that nobody else mm-hmm. is really beaten. And so I remember speaking to my pastor, my preacher, like my, my guy who was above me and who I answer to my accountability. And I remember asking him and I said, Hey, listen, do you have anybody who are pastoring a church? Cause we were pastoring a church at the time we were planning a church. Do you have anybody? He was, he's a Bishop. He was over 2,500 churches. Do you, do you have anybody who has mental illness, who is you know, married and, and, you know, pastoring so that we can have somebody to have connection with somebody to have context with, because I think the greatest thing is why most of us feel so lonely is because we feel like we're isolated and nobody else is talking about this. Absolutely. So I remember, and, and I remember him looking at me and saying, no, nobody else. And I said, so the, the NAMI, which is the national American mental in, uh, you know, Institute for mental health and stuff, they say one out of every five people has mental illness. Right. So mm-hmm. you're telling me, this is what I looked at him. I said that to him. I said, and you're telling me 2,500 churches mm-hmm. and not one pastor has this. Oh. And so I was seriously disappointed. My wife, she was seriously disappointed because we knew that somebody had it. They yeah. weren't talking oh, yeah. about it. Like there's one out of five, you know, and 2,500. Yeah. Half of y'all had it. Right. And right. so we're sitting there and I, and we had this conversation and the conversation was basically said, you know what? And we spent years fighting through learning how to communicate through this, learning what it looks like, reading books, praying, reading the Bible. Like, what is the context? 
And I remember the one time when we gave up looking for people like us and we said, you know what, throughout our lives, we're going to be the mentors we never found. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're so open is because we always want to put ourselves in a position where we're going to be the, be the mentors that we never found that we always wanted. And everybody out there is looking for, you know? And so, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just saying, I love, I just, I, I, it makes me almost a little emotional to think about, you know, growing up we always, I know like all of my parents and I, I know we always felt like it was just us. Nobody else was dealing with this. And I, I wish I'd known that statistic. I wish my parents had known that because we went to a huge church and nobody, if they knew what was going on, there was certainly nobody saying, Hey, I know what you're going through. It, there was nobody who was in the pit with us. It felt nope. like we were in that pit alone. And it is incredibly isolating. And it's it's scary mm-hmm. because you don't know. I didn't know about NAMI until I was, what, 30 years old? Yeah. yeah. Like, that's was, a long time. Yeah, I was 32 when I got diagnosed. And uh, uh, I think I actually they told me about NAMI right when I got diagnosed to get help. But mm, before that... Um, I had never heard of NAMI. I knew about the Mental Health Association, but that's because my grandmother worked for them. But um, no, I'd never heard of NAMI. Mary, I'm curious, what was it like for you? Like before you actually had the diagnosis, Mm -hmm. what were you going through? So I think it started when I was like 15 to 17, somewhere in there. I would have thoughts of wanting to die and just go to heaven, you know, because I just didn't want to deal with life. And uh, everybody used to call me a stress ball. You know, my family and friends, they were like, she just can't handle stress. And and whenever I would get, you know, really stressed out, I would have those thoughts like, I just don't want to do this anymore, you know. And and so I would and so I actually did attempt uh, suicide when I was 17. Uh, And yeah. I tried to overdose and uh, that was really hard. So, but I, you know, and, and even after that, I saw a counselor for a short time, but I never got diagnosed with anything. I, I, I didn't go into a facility for 72 hours after I had attempted suicide. You know, you know, I just, I had that. And I always, once I finally got diagnosed, I was like, Oh, it makes sense. Mm. I, uh, felt that way and, and had those experiences because none of my friends thought like that or talked like that or, you know, so. What was your official diagnosis or is? Well, what was my original diagnosis? And I'll I'll go ahead and uh, talk about this too is um, so I have, I have, I, I had six diagnoses. Um, yeah, we get that. We get that, get that a lot. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. That look that that you give us is what we get a lot. Yeah. I had six. I now have five. (laughs) Okay. The original diagnosis was bipolar disorder and it was bipolar type two. Um, so I was in depressive episodes a lot. However, uh, about a couple weeks ago, God healed me (laughs) of bipolar disorder. Yeah. Which I I didn't know if or when that was ever going to happen. Um, you know, I had had other people tell me their stories of how God had healed them. And I was like, yeah, but maybe not me. You know, maybe he just doesn't want to heal me because he wants me to learn how to, you know, uh, 
lean on him through it and just, you know, help other people learn how to lean Mm -hmm. on him through it. And just, and I did, uh, especially the past two to three years, I would say I've um, been learning how to lean on God even through it. So I do know how to lean on God through mental illness. And then of course I still have the five others, but um, you know, but yeah, he healed me of, of that one. Yeah. yeah. And and he told me that I'm going to be healed of the other five, but this side of heaven. So it may not yeah. happen till I'm like 90, but you know, it's all in his timing. And yeah. Whatever. So, <laughs> so diagnosed with all six at one time or no, was it? That was a progressive. It was a yeah. progression. So, so her original diagnosis, this is what's so fascinating is that half the medical field have no idea at first. Like they just kind of slap a label mm-hmm. on you. And I know I yep. love how your podcast is about breaking labels. Mm-hmm. They like, they, because what people don't realize about mental illness is that the difference between the mental illnesses is so minute, mm-hmm. like so small that you could be calling it one thing and it's something else and you'd be treating for this and it's really this. So when she was first diagnosed, she got sent to the hospital. And I, rem- I remember, man, it was, it was like, she... She called the the, the the police herself. She was like, yo, yeah. I'm about to cut my wrist. Come get me. Yeah. And so I want to tell you this because like, I remember that because I, these are the stories nobody talks about. And I think that we need mm-hmm. to talk about things because we were actually in a place we had argued and I was like, yo, I'm done. I'm not arguing with you. Well, she was undiagnosed, unmedicated at the time. So everything, what people don't realize in what, non people who don't have mental illness have normal ranges of emotion when people have mental illness the range of emotion goes extremes without any ability to handle it mm-hmm. right yes. no, way of no way of coping it's yeah. not right or wrong it's just they don't cope well because the chemical imbalances mm-hmm. so the deal was is that she was just I was like, I'm done. I'm not talking until you get out of your thing. Right. I was like, yo, like every other, get out of your thing. And then we'll talk right. <laughs> well, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse because she was just brooding on it and it was going deeper. So she's called the police. I remember we're pastoring at a time Yeah. and she called the police yeah. and, and all I hear is a knock at our door and I open the door and there's the cop. Uh, hi, why are you here? He didn't even know I'd called the police. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. I had no oh, idea. God. We had two, we had our child sleeping in the bed. And I had no idea. And so when you do that, what people don't realize is that they take you in handcuffs because she was Baker acted. So she mm-hmm. has to be re- taken in handcuffs for her own protection out of the house, put in the back of the squad car, taken down to the, the mental institution in order to be evaluated. So when she came out of the mental institution, out of the facility, she, it was bipolar. It was mm-hmm. manic depressive. And it okay. was like one, it was one other thing. Right. And we're like, okay, so we got at least And then that drove me into doing a lot of reading. Cause I'm like, all right, well, we're going to manage this thing. Cause we're going to do this. Cause I said, till death do us part. And it's a covenant. It's not just a commitment. It's a covenant. I am so blessed. So, <laughs> so I started reading, scouring and stuff. And I started learning. I was like, honey, I don't think these are the right diagnosis. Really? Yeah. Cause I was just reading and I'm like, this doesn't fit, but this fits and that fits and that. Does. And I just started making connections and I, and Holy spirit was with us the whole time. Mm-hmm. Two years later, I think it was, we had her reevaluate it mm-hmm. and they kept the bipolar, but everything else changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she gained another two, but lost one. So she's now different. Okay. And, okay. So it still didn't fit. And this is for all your listeners. I don't know where they are in their faith. We do believe that the Holy Spirit talks to us and um, when he talks to us, it's an internal leading, not an external voice. And I want your audience to hear that. 
Um, cause we're not like weird people that you're like, Oh, they're hearing voice. No, that's cause that's literally, we believe the Holy spirit speaks to us and leads us through, through, you know, those, those inclinations. I had started getting this inclination that said, Hey, there's something just not seen. Mm-hmm. So I remember this was like three years ago, three or four years ago. And at the same time, there was a big thing where a bad, what was it? Social worker mm. said something to her and she went off and almost divorced me. Yeah. She emptied all the 5014Ks, hired the lawyer. And I was like, yo, this is like crazy. Like, oh well, my we gosh. Out. She kept using the phrase that he was like, when he, he's very straightforward. Yeah. And I can be very sensitive. And mm-hmm. um, so whenever I would talk to the, the social worker at the group therapy I was going to at that time, she would continue to say, he's just trying to put you in your place. Right. And that's oh. never been the case, yeah. right? Well, she took that to extremes and tried yeah. to try to divorce. And I basically was like, yo, if you want to walk out the door, mm-hmm. not going to stop you. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause that's not what this is about. Mm-hmm. And it's about your healing. Mm-hmm. Well, so we're, we're getting somewhere. I'm a storyteller. So we're getting somewhere with this story. So like, I remember her coming back in cause the Holy spirit put on my heart and said, she'll be back. Just be mm-hmm. mindful. Right. So did she came back in crying? I'm so sorry. God really put on my heart, not going anywhere. My apologies. Right. I get you. So the Holy spirit began to speak to me over the next few days and put on my heart saying, if you don't leave the church, step down and get to a better hospital, Mary's not going to make it. Oh, wow. And I will kid you not in 30 days, we not only sold our house for more than we asked and we got a cash offer Mm -hmm. that we, we gave our church off to someone else. We got like 10 or $15,000 more on a cash offer than we even put in. We, we stepped down, we moved to Orlando from Port St. Lucie and literally it started a two and a half year journey where she was hospitalized 13 different times for suicide and other type behaviors in that time. Oh, I mean, and I'm talking like the day we moved out of the house, she was hospitalized that next day. That's how quick, that's how quick the, the word of the Lord came and showing us. Right. And that, but that feeling was there. It was like, there was something not sitting right. Cause they were saying it was only like bipolar and some OCD, mm-hmm. but it wasn't right. So I, I asked her after all that, I said, Hey, listen, and there's a lot of deeper stuff going on during this time, but I'm just giving you highlights, some of this. And I said, Hey, will you go get reevaluated by a doctor who actually is decent? Right. Mm-hmm. She went to go get reevaluated and they came back and this is where she was diagnosed with what she has today. And that was like bipolar. ADHD, generalized anxiety, PTSD. Um, oh, I can um, I can believe that, yeah, especially PTSD. with all the hospitalizations and all the different experiences. Well, people don't realize right. how much that can that cause that can traumatize, that traumatize you. Too, yeah. But she got this a lot from her childhood. <laughs> but yeah, that was that very, was yeah that was over the top. Like that's yeah. like not helping. And then she had OCD, but it was harm OCD. And most people don't know there's a difference in OCD. They think when you have OCD, you're just trying to clean. There's actually five or six different subtypes of OCD. Just like bipolar, there's four different subtypes of bipolar. I did not know either of those, actually. Yeah, this is why it's like learning to be educated because like OCD, there's that OCD where you need things in a certain way and numbers on a certain way. Harm OCD is an OCD subset that really is, is obsessive thoughts. Like they shoot into your mind and you can't get rid of them. And they're not even like what you want to think. They just happen and it's something triggers it. So she has these triggers of wanting to kill herself and all these things. And she just can't get rid of that's harm OCD. 
Oh my and God. then, and then later, and then later she was told that she also has um, borderline personality, right? Or a now, mild I've case heard this it. term, but what does that mean? Let me go ahead and tell you. I looked it up online because I was trying to find out about more about it too. Because I was like, you know, why do they call it this? And yeah. you know, what is it? What what does it really mean? Um, because I kept being told that a therapy that helps with it is um, called dialectical behavior therapy. Everybody yeah. told me that, but also known as DBT. But nobody was telling me what it really meant. Yeah. Well, what it basically means is you're emotionally unstable. Yeah. You know, okay. one minute you can be happy as can be. And it's very, um, for me anyway, it's very circumstance based uh, where the bipolar, I could be um, depressed for no reason. Yeah. Uh, it was okay. just imbalance. Mm -hmm. The borderline, if there was a circumstance that tr what they call triggered me, mm -hmm. uh, got me upset, I would either, you know, become very sad could become suicidal or I could become very angry and could, you know, out give scary outbursts, like screaming off my yeah. head, scaring my children, yep. attack, almost, like, almost like an attacking kind of screaming. It is. Okay. And, um, and, so it's emotionally and, unstable is what it means. Yeah. And it's on the personality okay. disorder spectrum too. So there's, it's, it's basically a Swiss cheese in your personality. Yeah. That means yeah. your identity is not solidified. Like you have no attachment to an identity because you have no idea what that is. Yeah. And it, it, mm. from what I heard recently, it can be, um, um, what is it called? Inherited. Yeah. Um, and it may have been the case with me because my mom actually got diagnosed with it at one point. I don't know if she still has it, but she got diagnosed with it when she was young. Um, so it may be inherited, but I, it also can come from sexual abuse. Yeah. Which and is something else. She I went through se very she traumatic kid, sexual when she was abuse a kid, yeah. at a very young age. Yeah. So, like less How young? Years. If you less don't mind me asking. Yeah. Okay. Like it was yeah. like a year or two old, like maybe three years. I was potty trained. Potty but... trained. So about two or three. Yeah. Yeah. So and it very was very young. And yeah, it was yeah. her, her mom's husband. husband at the time, but the husband that she had married was a cocaine dealer that ended up being, you know, abusing her. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just a lot of, a lot of history. And so she's, so she's diagnosed with all of these things. And then like a, a couple weeks ago, she's, you know, she's up there getting prayer and never told, like, this is not something she told the prayer person, Hey, pray for my bipolar. It no. was, this was laid hands on it and suddenly said, you're healed of bipolar. And so, and it just, boom, like it was just such a God movement. And so she talked to the doctor and she was like, Hey, listen, I had a, a great experience with you know, Jesus. And so can we try and take us, take me off the medicine to see if this really happened? Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, you can come off the medicine, but if you have symptoms, you're going back on. Yeah. Which mm -hmm. I was fine. Yeah. And she's been off the medicine for a week or two now. Yeah. What? I still have two other medicines, one specifically for bipolar and one is an antidepressant. Uh, but one of the medicines is actually a mood stabilizer for bipolar disorder. And I'm completely off of it, been off of it for like a week or two now. Yeah. And I feel just as good as when I was on it, you know? Yep. So yeah, I feel, I feel fine. So I, mm -hmm. I still have to manage my energy, um, especially because I do have the other illnesses still. And my body has been so used to being in such a depressive state for so long and not exercising and overeating and sleeping a lot. Yeah. That it's like my my body has to get 
I, I need to, I'm trying to start a new exercise routine. I'm eating healthier and I'm trying to just get my body used to being, being more alive again, yeah. you mm -hmm. know? So, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I feel the same as when I was on the medication. I, yeah, I feel it's the been same. A it's a miracle. So, I mean, it's, it yeah. truly is. And what's so, question we get asked, like, or that's asked a lot is, well, if God can heal one, why didn't he heal all? Right. Mm, you know, I actually and, didn't think about that, but okay. Yes, we get that Let's a lot. And and I know your listeners are probably like, well, hold on, you know, when they hear this, but one of the things I, I tell people is, listen, could God heal all of it in one second? Yes, he absolutely could. But we serve a progressive God that literally will walk through a process. I don't, we don't know. We don't claim to know what God's going to do. We don't claim to know any of that. Like we believe God, whether he heals her or not, we just still believe. But the deal is, is that it's a stepping process because every step that something gets healed or every step that we take is a deeper faith mm -hmm. and it's a better, and it's a deeper story. And so if God's idea of getting the most glory and seeing the most out of all of this is to progressively heal her over years, then that's, what's going to happen. And yeah. we're totally committed to the process because whatever God wants in our life, God gets. And so a lot of this is just walking in that faith and that maturity and not being disappointed in what we didn't get but being mm. excited by what we were blessed with. Yeah. And I've, I've made progress um, already um, through therapy uh, and God led me through all that led me to the therapist that I've gone to. And uh, one of the therapists with my, with, with the PTSD did what's called EMDR. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I've heard of this. Yes. And um, the PTSD, I still have it, but it was much worse before where I would wake up in the middle of the night screaming and wake up my whole household because I was dreaming I was being attacked. One day while Jim was still working at a face-to-face -face job, um, he went to kiss me before he left for work and I woke up slapping him like crazy. Yeah. And it scared him to like ever start kissing me. <laughs> I was like, yo, <laughs> yo, don't, 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 don't kill the messenger. I'm just trying to give kisses. <laughs> but, uh, but the EMDR I had took that away. I don't, not, I don't have nightmares like that anymore. Um, I still have PTSD, um, you know, but it's not like that. Yeah. And what was the other thing I was going to say? Uh, oh, and I'm, I'm going to another therapist coming up here. Oh, the, uh, I, she's going to work with me on more trauma therapy, which is yeah. going to mm -hmm. help PTSD. But I also Absolutely. went through like a six to nine month course. So if any of your uh, listeners are veterans, tell them to go to the VA and, uh, or, well, I'm telling them right now, but you know, <laughs> tell them also go to the VA and they have a, a course for a six month course called dialectical behavioral therapy. And it has helped me. I probably have a hundred skills now that I never had before. Yeah. It gives you coping skills. Yes. Mm -hmm. On how to handle oh. my emotions when they're out yeah. of control and I don't know what to do. Could I've you give an example of just like two or three? Yeah. I'm so curious about this. Yeah. So, um, so like if I'm really overwhelmed, like to the point where I'm about to scream or, or something like that, just out of control emotion. One of the best things you can do is take some ice and put it um, right underneath your eyes. You might want to put paper towels, but you know, before you put the ice on, but you can do straight ice and you just, and you just, it's called the dive reflex and you just lower your head down. I know you can't see me, but you just lower your head down like you're diving 
and you hold your breath. I think it's like for like 30 seconds. And then you come back up and literally your heart rate will drop in half. Yeah. It is a literal physical response that helps calm you down. So it's, it's important to note that yeah. you can do this without mental illness because it, it breaks That's the what cycle I'm of yeah. yeah. So if you're like in a cycle of emotion, the difference between, like I said earlier, the difference between someone with and without mental illness is the ability to handle that cycle, mm-hmm. right? Where the, the, the one with mental illness, they have a, a decreased ability to handle that. No coping, extreme emotions. So yeah, but not having mental illness. If I was to do it, if I'm having a very stressful day, it would still work on mm-hmm. me. So this is not something that you have to have mental illness for it to work. Oh. These are, these are skills that if you practice them every day, it'll help anybody. It'll help anybody, but it particularly people who are in those cycles and cannot get out of them. Those that have illnesses, it will help them immensely. Yeah. My psychiatrist says he wishes that schools would teach, especially teenagers, dialectical behavior therapy, because yeah. it would help so many conflicts and, because there's conflict resolution. It's not just physical stuff. There's literal conflict resolution. Yeah. And um, oh my goodness, there's so much. Yeah. Um, I know another technique that she's learned that with that I I like is uh, mindfulness. Yeah. Now, mm. uh, we, now we're very careful, and again, um, we're Christians. That's our base. Mm-hmm. So we mindfulness can get very into. Buddhist and Hinduist type of belief. So we pull ourselves back into a Christian belief because that's our context and your listeners Mm -hmm. may not have that context, but the difference is either way you put the context, mindfulness is getting in the moment. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's using your five senses, taste, touch, uh, you know, hearing and feeling all that stuff. And um, he's getting in the moment and not being consumed by what ifs and not being consumed by what could happen and not be consumed by, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, it's going to go crazy. But saying, you know what, right now I can breathe. I'm blessed. You mm-hmm. know, recite scripture if you're, if you have that Christian context and just be like, I'd be at peace, you know, and you just mm-hmm. learn to be in the moment. That's another thing they really teach you in, in, in the DBT. And I think it's really helped her because she'll, yeah. she'll skitter off and, says, and you'll say, well, where's, where's Mary? And then everybody's like, oh, she's in the closet or something. And what she's doing <laughs> is mindful is, is centering. I think yeah. that's amazing. But and yeah. you know, it's funny is I've started a, a kind of like this 33 day meditation course, but there's a lot of it is mindfulness. And one of the mm-hmm. things is connecting with your five senses and yeah. doing that in the morning. And it's all it is, is like concentrating on what do I smell? What do I see? And uh-huh. like, that's all it is. on that instead yeah. of all the other stuff mm-hmm. that might be swirling in my mm-hmm. mind has helped in just a week. Mm-hmm. And, I'm all, and I'm sitting there thinking, and, and I get what you're saying. Like, it's not just for anybody with mental illness. I just had um, someone on the podcast this week, Corinne Crabtree, who's a weight loss coach but it's all mindset and it's all not eating when you can't cope with your emotions. So it's Mm -hmm. like anybody who's used food, like if you're having a stressful day, if you're having a protein bar, it doesn't matter if it's a protein bar or brunch. Oh, right here. Listen, (laughs) why do you think I had her on? Cause (laughs) that's my favorite way. I can snack a feeling away. Like nobody's business. Like I know. Right. And it's like good snacks. And I, you know, I've justified it like, oh, it's a protein stack. It's healthy. Listen, if your body doesn't need it, you're overeating. It doesn't matter how much protein and low fat it is. But mm-hmm. I did that because I didn't have other ways. I didn't know other ways yeah. to cope with yeah. social anxiety, stress mm-hmm. at work, 
all these things that we all deal with on a day-to-day basis, no matter whether you have mental illness or not, if you're human and you interact with other humans, Mm -hmm. you're going to get stressed. Yeah, (laughs) I agree. Yeah. One of the things I've learned about that, uh, that I, DBT has helped me with is, uh, Mm -hmm. before I learned about DBT, I learned about what's called CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. Oh, I've heard. And, okay. um, a lot of the hospitalizations I had taught me about that. So if you can change your thoughts, you'll change your feelings and that'll yeah. change your actions. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I did during DBT that's helping me learn what my thoughts are, because sometimes you feel these emotions and you really don't know what you're thinking that's causing the emotion. Sit still and just let the thoughts come, watch them. I would deep breathe while you're doing it, like belly breathing. And I would just watch the thoughts like clouds, not judging them good or bad, not, you know, saying I shouldn't have that thought, nothing like that. Just let it come. Yep. So that I can see what the thoughts are that are causing my emotions. And then what I do is I say, okay, that's a thought that I know is not the truth. Let me go in the Bible and find the truth. Mm -hmm. Let me speak that truth. And the more you repeat the truth, because that lie got there because it was repeated to you over and over and over again at some point in your life, childhood, whatever. You believe the lie because it was repeated to you. So the way that you get rid of it is to repeat the truth over right. and over again. And then Absolutely. that will replace the lie. I'm curious. What is, what are a couple of your re- repeat offender thoughts that you've had to counteract with verses? Like what are some that you've noticed? Like, okay, gotten this one before. Okay. Um, not be good enough. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I am a child of God and you know, he, he died for me. Uh, Jesus died for me, not because I was good enough, not because I did anything to deserve it, but because he loves me. And if he mm-hmm. loves me that much to die for me, then I'm definitely worth something, you yeah. know? So it, I don't have to be good enough for somebody else. You know, if, if they think I'm not good enough, then that's their problem. It's not, mm-hmm. it's, it's not something I need to believe anymore. So I just believe that, you know, Jesus loves me and, you know, and if I make mistakes, which I will, uh, you know, he for, he forgives me when I'm ready to come to him and ask for forgiveness. And then we move on. He teaches yep. me how to do better next time. You know, it's just and I don't lose any sense of self-worth because I know mm. you love me just as much when I made the mistake as when I'm doing good. Yep. You know, and that is amazing. And what's yeah. what's so funny is like you just need every day you wake up, just work on being one percent better. Yeah, that's really what it is. I don't, love that saying. Don't even don't even try to be like the reason why you say you're not enough or I'm stupid or I'm a failure is because somebody when you were a kid told you that and you believed it. Mm-hmm. And, yep. you know, somebody put that in your head. Somebody mm-hmm. put that in your heart and you just repeated it. And what you repeat becomes your truth, whether it's truth or not. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so the power of the mind is so incredible. If you can truly change your whole life, if you change your mindset, it's hard. Don't, don't fall into these like fly by night people. that says just think differently. That's not how that works. Cause this is not mm-hmm. Norman Peel positive power, positive thinking. It's not what that is. It's literally learning how to change the way you think. Mm-hmm. Because now I'm no longer this sorry slug of a person. I'm a redeemed individual who has power, who has design, who has purpose. And mm-hmm. so when you live in that, that's where powerful things begin to transform. And I'm going to tell you this, and I always met, I always mess with people about that too. I was like, whenever like, well, I'm not enough. So when I coach people, I'm like, well, define what enough is. Mm-hmm. 
Come on, give me the definition of what enough is for you. Good point. And nobody can. They're like, well, then how do you ever know that you're going to get it if you don't define it, if you can't say what it is? So you're de- you're ju- you're you're defining your whole life objectively on a subjective thought. Yeah. Mm. So I'm I'm saying I'll never I'm not enough, but I can't tell you what enough is. So my whole life is already in failure slopes because I can't define what I'm always chasing, and because I'm oh, never enough. And so I'm sitting there like, ah, oh, yeah, you get just get this mind like, whoa, you know, mind melt thing, and it's like. Well- I, I love that because then you, if, if every day you get to define what enough is for yourself, like I don't need to be perfect, but I'm, I'm proud of myself. If I have a problem at work and I'm working to solve it, not that I yeah. solved it, just that I'm working. Like, like yeah, you said, the absolutely. 1% better define. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. So there's two things that I think about this. And then I know Mary wants to jump in with this. Number one is change the whole dynamic of the conversation to defining your wins. Mm. Like when you wake up in the morning, what's a win for you that day? Mm. So define it like saying, okay, I, I showered today. That's a win. I went to work. I didn't punch anybody in the throat. Those are all wins. I had a great day. Learn to define your wins. And I think when you learn to make that a habit in the morning of saying, okay, if I get this done, it's a win for me, then you're, you'll, you'll change the way you live your life every single day. And most people don't know how to define a win. So you just have to get into those places to define a win. Even like with mental illness and breaking labels and stuff, people will live according to the labels that we're given or the labels we give ourselves. But what you do is when you say I'm stupid, guess what? You just put yourself, you just put yourself in chains and you put yourself in bondage because now you're living according to your label. Mm-hmm. But when you want to remove a label, you've got to think differently. You've got to define differently. You've got to get out there and say, hey, my win. And even, listen, it, like we, we, we talked about this for a long time, like with mental illness, there's days you just can't do anything. If a mm-hmm. win was that you got up and you made the bed and that's your win, then you won the day. Mm-hmm. Like yep. you, everything else is cake. Stop putting yourself on these pedestals of, I have to do this, this, this Because why? Because when you live in perfectionism, what you're doing is saying, I have to be perfect because if I'm not perfect, I'm not loved. So in reality, you're afraid of not being loved. So you put labels and expectations that are way too high on yourself because Mm -hmm. you're ultimately trying to find love and approval inside of people that will probably, you don't even need their approval. No, no. And they may not even love them themselves. They don't even like you. They probably criticize you and you're trying to get their approval. So like, why are you looking for it? So that's something to really deal. And then you also want to encourage yourself by looking at where you've come from, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, because there's something, uh, there's something Joyce Meyer says that she says, I'm not where I need to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. And, you know, it's for me, like I haven't been hospitalized in two years and I I was hospital. It's been two years since June. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm sure June, she knows. June, June, oh yeah, no, we yeah. keep we we get the running track like a tally for a while, and I yeah. just I don't have concepts of time, and I didn't realize it was two years. I'm yeah, like, wow. so I'm looking at it. You know, different therapists that I've been working with over the PPT time were like, "You got to look at that." And it like when I was struggling as I was going through the course, they were like, "You got to look at that. That's progress you've made already that you haven't been hospitalized in two years." And even yeah. if you, you know, wanted to attempt suicide last night. Mm-hmm. You're alive right now. Yeah. That's a step you That's took huge. in the right direction yeah. Yeah. that you did not do that. And mm-hmm. you wanted to live. You're alive right now. Yeah. So, you know, um, so just, you got to just look, 
You got to just look at where you've come from and encourage yourself that way. One step at a time. Yep. I, I, I have to ask, because this is something that I feel like my family and I dealt with a lot. How did, and I, I want to hear from both of you, because you're going to have your own perspectives on this. How or why did you ever get over or not get mad at God or blame God? Mm. You first. Honey. I, first. I, I, I can like, listen. I am a professional communicator, so I can rattle off what I think right now. And but I, I, I you know, um, but I do think that what you have to say in this is really important because there's a difference between. Now, I want to say this: when somebody in your family has mental illness, we have mental illness. Mm-hmm. This is not yes. her deal. This is a family ordeal. Our children, mm-hmm. the repercussions that our children are dealing with because of this, we have mental illness. And, and you really think about that, but there's a difference in the way I see it and mm-hmm. there's a difference the way she sees it because she was going through it. Yep. I was trying to manage it. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a huge indifferences in the way I see things and the way she sees things. And then personality plays into that, how we yep. perceive our world. So with you going to be somebody who is, who is going through it, like you are one of the best warriors I've ever met because you got to think where most people don't realize is that you fought to stay alive. Like you were sitting there trying to fight to do the laundry, but the ultimate thing was you were fighting to stay alive for years. So Mm -hmm. walking with God through that, and I know there was a lot of anger at God during those times. So, you know, how did you manage that? How did you get through that? I just, every, you know, there were times I was mad at God. There were times that I actually thought about walking away from my faith. You know, and just walking away from God and just saying, you know, I just can't do this anymore. And, mm. um, you know, there were times I felt like I was being fake, um, mm. you know, but in the midst of it all, I always came back to just knowing that he loved me. Mm. And, and, I, and really, one of the ways that helped me through that a lot, and I believe for anyone, God, you know, God drew me first because of his love when I got saved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I remember being in college and um, when I was being drawn, when he was drawing me, I started looking online for, does God really love me? What mm-hmm. is God's love? What does it mean for God to love you? The, you know, those types of questions. And, and I started researching and, you know, just learning about that before I actually got saved. So he started drawing me with his love. And then um, a lot of the times that Jim showed me God's love through him, through his actions, Mm. you know, that just continued to draw me back whenever I felt like running away. And I'm so glad that God used you. And, you know, God will use anybody, you know, all you got to do is ask God, Mm -hmm, I know you love me. Can you show me how you love me? And he'll send someone to show you. Mm -hmm. Um, I truly believe that, you know, because we need to, we need to see it physically you know, because it's, it's hard. Sometimes, sometimes it's hard to, you know, it, it is, it's hard to just believe it. Yeah. yeah, you you gotta have some 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 kind of evidence that it's real, and you know um, I would just 
sometimes I would just pray, God, be real to me, you know, mm. because I feel like you're not real right now. God, be real mm. to me. And he would. He would show me ways that he loved me. I remember one time, this is before we even got diagnosed, or I I got diagnosed. I know it's we, but it's, yeah. Anyway. Uh, I think they get it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, but I remember before I even got diagnosed, there was a time that God told you to go buy a card for me. And you asked him, you said, why? And you and God told you just because. Mm. Just yeah, we got, ton- we got tons of stories like yeah. that. And it's just super cool. You know, I think for me, like I'm going to make a statement and my statements, I'm going to, I'm going to make the statement and I'm going to tell you the story behind the statement. I never, I never blamed God, nor did I ever lose trust in God in the situation. And, And that sounds like a big, tall order. When you, when you, when you get into the story, you're going to be like, like you guys on here, there's not enough time for this podcast on one episode to tell the whole story. I mean, we've got tons of layers of trauma, of challenges of near close almost killed herself like there is living with no money living with almost being homeless living with like so many stories over 20 years but i was i gave my life to jesus after being 15 years as an atheist and a witch i practiced witchcraft i was an i was a staunch atheist in the midst of that and i melded the two together right So when I became a Christian, like it never crossed my mind that God could be wrong because I had lived in the supernatural world of witchcraft for so long that I knew what it was like to be on that side. Mm -hmm. I had experiences on that side, you know? And so when I transitioned, like it was even funny when I first got called into, you know, going to Bible college, I was sitting there in a room where everybody in the room been Christians their whole life. And I was a Christian for two weeks. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like, um, when I gave my life to Jesus, like I read the entire new Testament on our way to the honeymoon because I was afraid we were going to die on the plane. And I was like, well, if I just met Jesus, I might as well figure out who I just gave my life to. If I'm going to meet him in about 15, 20 minutes. So I read the whole new Testament trying to figure out who I just gave my life to. Um, so, but with that being said, I never doubted God in this. I never doubted God bringing us through this. I never doubted any of that. Where I struggled was navigating my own emotions and my own frustrations. Mm. Okay. Like, how do I handle this when I have no concept of what I'm handling? Mm. How do I walk and how do I continually walk in forgiveness when it feels like every day is something new to forgive? Mm. How do I love somebody who the world would deem unlovable at that time? How do I continually to do this, God? How do I show Jesus to the woman that you gave me to be the steward over her? How do I continually show Jesus when everything inside of me wants to fall apart and run because I don't know if I'm strong enough to handle this? So my struggle wasn't the struggle that says, okay, God, this is your fault because it wasn't. Sin is in the world. Man at the the garden caused sin. This is the product of that. People in her life abused her, treated her poorly. I had abuse in my life. So there are stories. So I didn't blame God for any of that. Mm -hmm. It was more navigating that every day, Lord, am I really the man that could stay with her and help find healing with her? Lord, am I really the man that, that could love her and show her you? Lord, am I you know, even in the midst of all my idiosyncrasies and my stupidities and my, my things that I say, I'm like, Oh gosh, why did I say that? You ever have those moments? Oh, and yeah. 
Yeah. And, and, but it hits different when somebody has mental illness. Mm-hmm. Like if I was to have that moment with you, okay, we're all good. Hey, life goes on. We apologize. But when somebody has mental illness, it's like, like a level 10 when it should be like, mm-hmm. a three. and navigating all of that and then having to manage, okay, is she going to kill herself today? Mm-hmm. Is my kids going to be okay today? I'm working a job, building a church, starting a business. Like I just can't do this. And just finding the strength every day to continue to walk on. And that was my journey through all of that. That's yeah. And uh, when I would get discouraged, even when I wasn't mad at God, but disappointed, you know, Mm. when I would hear someone else's story of how they got healed or, you know, you know, stuff like that. And I was like, okay, God, are you ever going to heal me? You know? Um, And and I just, but I just, I, I just, I don't, I don't know why. I don't know how it, it's just got to be God's spirit. But I just started thinking, I was like, you know what? Somebody else is going through the same thing I'm going through. And they, they may not be leaning on God yeah. or they mm-hmm. don't know how to. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to go through this life. If I have bipolar disorder forever if I have the rest of these illnesses forever, you know, well, not forever, but till I die. Cause when I'm, <laughs> when I die, it's all gone. Yes. <laughs> but, I was about um, saying, that does not go with you. Uh, no, it does not. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm whatever the case may be, even with these other five ones, if I'm 90 years old and on my deathbed, when I finally get healed of the last one, I'm going to walk my life in step in step with Jesus. And I'm yeah. going to show other people this is how you walk with Jesus, even in the midst of mental illness, and you can still have joy. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. I asked that because when I was a kid, I, I never blamed God. Never. But I did blame my mother. Yeah. And my mom, I, when sometimes like when she would kind of not be in her episode, but I think kind of coming out and would say, you know, please, you know, don't be mad at me. Ask God why he did this. And I would get so mad at her. So it was, Mm -hmm. I almost wish I had blamed God because he could have handled it. Right. Like God would know me. He would, he would like, he can handle you saying the worst to him, but what (laughs) it hurts to think of the things I thought and said to my mother. Mm-hmm. Because she can't unhear that. Yeah. So it's, I really am, I, I respect those answers so much, but it was as much just to understand. Mm-hmm. Because I also wonder, you know, like, how do you guide your children through this? You know, yeah. what are those conversations like? We, I'll say two things. Like, number one, we have never hid anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some aspects of the deeper stuff that we've not talked about. Um, you know, when it deals with them and this mental illness, but in general, we have always had open communication. So like any question they ask, we're answering like my, my nine-year-old, my 15 year old, we have two girls. It's, we have never been those parents that have ever held anything back. And God told me, he said, you were hurt through relationship. Yeah. My dad, my mom, uh, you know, the, the person who sexually abused me, all these different relationships. He said, you'll be healed through relationship. Yeah. Ooh. 
So I like got like the Holy Spirit goosebumps just oh. saying that. Now. But it's restoration can come. And, yeah, and if you believe for it and you pray for it, I believe it will come. Yeah. And it may take a lifetime, but it will come. And, you know, like one of the things I, I, so my mom was out of my life. She doesn't like to call it abandonment, but she was out of my life for 10 years from the time I was seven years old until I was 17. Oh. Yeah, she abandoned. Yes. She don't like to call it, but we're just calling it what it is. She, uh -huh. because again, her mom had this challenges. Is, uh, okay. Same, same this as is after you've been sexually abused. Oh, yeah. Yep. This was after I was sexually abused. So left, just left. completely left, disappeared off the planet for almost a decade. And and this is mm -hmm. this is after, during my sexual abuse, she was supposed to be home with me, but she wasn't. She left me with her husband at that time who sexually abused me. And I was screaming out, mommy, 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 the whole time. Yeah. Mommy never came. Nope. And so after that, she left. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a wound. That is yeah. a, that's a deep yep. one. So, yep. um, but the, my, but my, my point in saying that is when, when I was 17 and she came back in my life, I don't know, maybe she didn't know how to talk about it. So she never did. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. we kind of picked up like nothing had ever happened. Like she'd never left. And um, we have talked some here and there about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of the, and, and one of the things that I'm, I've learned through DPT is called radical acceptance. And Ooh. yes, where you just accept things the way they are. You can only control what you can do over your own emotions and your yep. own thoughts. Mm -hmm. You can't control anybody else. Yeah. So what I've accepted about my mom is that she is not able at this point to, to have any relationship, really have a full relationship the way I want. Yeah. And, and, and have the full restoration. Yeah. And what I mean by that, you know, it, we haven't been able to fully talk about everything that happened and I have to constantly pursue her yeah. for the relationship. We may not hear from her for like five, six months. And so. Yeah. She does call sometimes. Sometimes. I we definitely have to make the greater effort. Yeah. Because if I don't, then we won't talk to each other for a and, very long period. And of where time. that radical acceptance comes in is understanding that there may never be a conversation right. around this and that being okay. And I want to say something real quick to what, to you, because I was on the other side of things that I wish I would have never said. Mm -hmm. You know, like I was on that side and this is the point where you're going to have to forgive yourself Yes, because the emotion is so high and nobody talks about how to deal with this stuff. Mm -mm. Like nobody. So the things that I said to her were super hurtful, but they were out of a hurt place. Mm -hmm. So I'm here hurting with my own baggage being continually hurt by somebody who couldn't stop hurting. Yeah. And the way we, it's way we talked about it is it's like, you know, you ever see the like movie, like the evasion of the body snatchers and things like that. Like, no, oh, it's an old school movie. Like I'm a, I'm a pop culture nut. So like movies like that, what happens is they come in, they basically take over your body and you, your consciousness is somewhere in there, but you have no control. 
And so the deal is, is that the way the mental illness works, and this is how we've explained it together, has been when the mental illness trigger takes over, mm-hmm. it's as if the good hearted person is locked inside and the Jekyll and Hyde, the Hyde comes out yes. and mm-hmm. that's who's working it. They, this is not what they want to do. This is, this has no, they're not, they don't want to yell. They don't want to scream. They don't want to hurt you. They don't want to hurt themselves. And the whole time, you know, the person inside is screaming, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But the outside triggered mental illness is like, oh, we're doing this, right? Mm-hmm. And so your mother, just like Mary, who was doing that, was trapped in a moment that of mental illness that they couldn't control. They couldn't mm-hmm. stop and they couldn't do anything about it the whole time. And I'm going to promise you, and Mary will tell you this in a minute because we've had these conversations. She was more guilty about it than you were. and because that's what it is. They come back and now they're riddled with guilt because of what the trigger point is. And now they're depressed and suicidal because they're trying to escape the guilt they just caused. Mm-hmm. And so out of our own hurt, we begin to vomit our pain because we can't talk about it. We're isolated. And we figure like, let me hurt you because this is the only way you're going to listen. Not realizing they're not in their right mind at the moment. And right. So we're trying to get through with them with a clarity moment and they're not clear and they're not going to hear it. And so we feel ignored and the cycle continues. Yes. So it comes to a place and this is how I've, I've been able to forgive Mary and how the Lord showed me is understanding that that place and the things that happened could not number one, be undone. You did it. It happened, but it was from a hurt place mm-hmm. and it's learning to just say, you know what? I was hurt. I, I'm not proud of what I did but I'm also not going to crucify myself for what I did because it's done. It's over with, and I can't go back and change it. But what Mm -hmm. I can do is live better today. That 1% better. I can live today and say, you know what, if put back in the situation today, what I know now, it would have been completely different, Mm -hmm. but I was young and dumb and I'm judging my young and dumb self on somebody who's wise and experienced. Oh, that's okay. I like that. so you're not yeah. in the same place. So you're sense. you're judging yourself past wise of saying mm-hmm. I should have been who I am today, mm-hmm. but you're five, 10 years later, 20 years later, That's you good. didn't carry the same weight of wisdom. You didn't carry the same experiences, all these podcasts, everything. You didn't have any of this. There was mm-hmm. no way to stop. So it's learning to forgive. And we define forgiveness as letting someone go of a debt that you think they owe you mm. because you realize they don't owe you anything. Well, they owe me an apology. No, they don't. They owe me money. No, they don't. You were the one that loaned them. Just let it go. They owe me that. Listen, forgiveness happens when you realize that the person who offended you owes you nothing. So Mm -hmm. then you can forgive them and walk in that higher level of love. And then the reality of it is the same thing goes for yourself. Like if you're holding unforgiveness, what do you need to forgive yourself of? Mm -hmm. Right? If it's all those times you hurt your mom by what you said. What do, what are you what are you waiting for? Like, what are the things that you want restitution on? Like, what do you owe yourself? You're not going to get that time back. You, you you're not going to get that like any of that back. So what you do is you say, you know, I don't owe myself anything, but what I can do is live today a different way. Mm-hmm. So I forgive me, I forgive her. That nobody owes anybody anything, and we're going to move forward in forgiveness now. With that being said, you don't have to be, uh, you know, a sucker and be like, I'm, I'm going to go do it. I'm just going to forgive and forget. And we're going to do it again. No, you don't have to do no. that. You have your boundaries, you have your yes. life and you do, you live wise, but you just make sure that you live in forgiveness. And I have to say, my mom has been, I, I mean, there've been a couple of times where it was like, where I was setting boundaries and I had to, 
just say we, we can't talk about this. I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to get off the phone yep. because I I just I I can't I can't deal with this. And it has I will I can say this and I've said it a few times. Our relationship is the best it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And good. I think a lot of it has to do with boundaries and a lot of it has to do with understanding what she's gone through. Yeah. Like when, and I'm so grateful to Nami for that. Like if I had taken the course, the, the family, mm-hmm. I think it was family to family one. Yeah. I, I never would have had any concept of what she was going through. And it was just so healing to see all of our family experiences in black and white. Yep. And to say, oh, this was normal for what was happening. Mm-hmm. We were not weird. We were not oh. messed up. We were coping with it the exact way that we were supposed to, given that we had no help. That's yeah. it. It was just us trying to figure it out and not having the tools because nobody's born with that. No, yeah. they're not. And then the world stigmatizes this whole thing. So you're afraid oh. to even ask. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're not afraid to talk. So we're. <laughs> I, that's <laughs> why. I'm so grateful for you guys to do this because I, I mean, I know obviously I'm, I've been crying for the, like the last 15 minutes. I know how much it it's helped me, but to think that there is hopefully a couple out there going through this now who I pray will either listen or see this mm-hmm. and it could be what saves their relationship or mm-hmm. just help somebody get the help they need. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, Oof. I don't have I don't have words for that. That was that was my prayer this today before we got on. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Now I okay, so to bring it back to I mean just day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. How do y'all deal I mean you still have careers, right? You still have job like you have a a church, you're pastoring like how well, do you I, I stepped it? down for years from pastoring a while. Like the Lord okay. had me step down and I'm because I'm called to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm working on trying to build a business. I do work a nine to five job, but that was for insurance purposes as Understood. I build this business. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Lord, the Lord has put on my heart, like in the next year, I'm probably never going to work a W2 again. So that's neither here nor there. So we're excited about that. So we're like, yeah. So, but the deal is, is that we take every day as it is, some mm-hmm. days are going to be better than others. Some days are going to be more productive than others. And then some days are going to be like, yo, leave me alone. I don't want to see the world. I don't want to see you. I don't want to see anything. Okay. <laughs> That's so let me honest you- and that is true. Yeah, yeah. Let me build you your little tent in the bed and you don't yeah. get up. You know, like I'll do that. Like, here's your little tent. There's a, <laughs> throw, throw a little food at her, you know, just make sure she, you know, whatever. But the deal is, is that day-to-day life just has to be a day-to-day thing. Like we yeah. can't be so planned out because if she overdoes it, then the next day she, the next day is done. Like we have to Mm -hmm. manage energy. Yeah. I have to, I I learned that even last week. I, I spent a whole week doing things that just zapped my energy and I wasn't spending any time with God. And uh, so I wasn't getting refilled by him and, and the joy that he gives me when I, when I spend time with him. And so she didn't hang out with me either. I was like, yo, I give her lots of joy and energy, but she didn't hang out with me I either. Didn't, I was like, Tell I was you like what. gone from the house all day, every day for a whole week. You know, doing well, he's week. been waiting for a week to say that for the record. Just to like, oh, no, no, I already told her, I told her last week. I, I listen, I already said it. This is just the rehash. You get to hear the conversation we had already. Um, so 
you know, I, I had to, I, I learned that last week. I was like, okay. So it, because I, not only do I have these illnesses, but I'm an introvert and Ooh. introverts when they're around other people, it drains them. Mm -hmm. um, especially if you do it for hours on end, like I was yep. doing yeah. last week, mm -hmm. I was doing hours on end with different people on, on each day. And um, uh, yeah, I just got so drained and I wasn't giving myself any time to rest. So what I've learned is I'm mm. like, okay, from now on, instead of doing it back to back every day during the week, I'm going to, if I, if I plan more than one uh, thing to do with someone during the week, I'm only going to plan two. And mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure there is a day where I don't have anything planned with anyone between those two times <laughs> so mm -hmm. that I have that day to recoup, rest, spend time with God yeah. and, you know, just rejuvenate because I'm an introvert. So it drains me. Yeah. Oh, I'm I with you. I'm with I you. am not. I am the opposite. Of course. <laughs> I love the opposite. You couldn't tell, right? Could you tell? <laughs> this is like my third, third conversation, fourth conversation today. Like I've been on, like I did my live today. I've been on the podcast today. I've been on several video chats today and I'm like, all right, what's next? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, I, I completely, and people, because I, I have a podcast, I love talking with people and will always assume I'm an extrovert. And I'm like, no, no, because in order for me to be able to show up, I need to be by myself yeah. mm -hmm. and I Absolutely. need to have that time away from people to recharge. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, I've gotten to a point where my roommate is an extrovert and she'll like, she'll tell me her, her schedule and all these events she's going to in one day. And I'm like, nope. That sounds nope. like my day. Yep. Nope. Well, that's, nope. that's, that's a just stress me hearing about it. That's it. That's a common misconception. It doesn't mean that like introverts don't like people. It doesn't mean that introverts are like awkward. They're not like Mary's not awkward when she's around people. She's not like twiddling her thumbs and like, um, the, the wall's nice. No, that's not how this works. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's introvert and extrovert is basically how you refill your energy. That's mm -hmm. really what it is. Like introverts refill by being alone. Extroverts refill by being around people. If I'm mm -hmm. sad, just tired, just put me around a crowd and leave me alone. And by the end of that crowd, I will be happy. Even my alone time has to be mm -hmm. near people. Mm -hmm. oh. Like I will go to a Starbucks or I will go to a mall and I will sit there and I will hang out in a group of people just to be around people while I'm being alone. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. It's, but you know what? That's beautiful. That's just how we're all made. That's how but we're it's all made. pretty amazing. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I'm curious. So, what, 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 what business are you doing, or do you have, Jim? What, what is this entrepreneurial oh, yeah. journey? Uh, so I have. You know what's interesting? I have been a leadership coach for over for about 20 years. Right? We just literally started a business around it about doing that. Like I have a certification in leadership coaching a training. I have a master's degree and I also am a certified disc personality trainer. Oh. And yeah. So like, and I've been doing that a while, only in the last three years have I charged for that. So I've been doing it 20 years, charging three. Um, I'm so glad you started charging. You should. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's just what it is. Right. And uh, hello. Um, but the other side of that is, is, and where the Lord is really pushing me into is with my brand is I'm really digging into the social media, particularly YouTube mm -hmm. thing is, is helping people grow their, their brand. Like my, my, my motto is get moving, get noticed, get paid. Like, Ooh, which really means is like, get your business moving, 
get your mm-hmm. thing launched, express your God-given design to the world, get noticed on social media and on all those things. And I'm a live streamer, YouTuber, and let's get paid because there's value you offer and you're sitting mm-hmm. on so many things that you're not getting paid for and you need to get paid. And so the brand is moving into that direction of you know, helping people master their social media, helping people get the business basics together to get launched and get to start growing and, you know, those things. And leadership is now infiltrated into that. Mm. So like I'm training people as I train people in hard skills, I'm also training people in soft skills. Now I do get hired on to businesses to just simply do like personality training or leadership development training. I do get hired on to businesses and I write for several large publications in that area because I'm a 20 year expert in that, but I'm starting to help people in hard skills, which is, you know, social media, YouTube, I'm I'm particularly YouTube. That's where God wants me. And, you know, and then the soft skills are coming in the midst of that with like mindset and how to, you know, really navigate people. Like I'm a, I'm, I'm like a people thing. Like I can help you navigate conversations and I've been a speaker for 15 years. So those things. Can we also talk about how having a mentally ill spouse makes you very qualified to talk about navigating situations. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we can tell you that too. Yes. Yeah, I mean, can you can tell me all the degrees, but I think like the last 45 minute conversation in itself. Yeah. Like, I mean, talk about pivoting, communicating, leading partnership, collaboration. Yeah. Yep. I mean, yeah, well, holy moly. Yeah. We, we, we are absolutely in love with each other. This is not fake. We don't, I don't believe in, in authentic. And we were actually just talking about earlier about launching a YouTube channel for her. Yeah. 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 We were talking about that. We're praying about that. So. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if you have couples reach out to you after this, just to have like couple conversations, you know? Yeah. That would be great. Because I think the two of you have an amazing balance um, Mm -hmm. that could serve so many people. I'm sure already does, but could serve even more. Absolutely. I do think like we've been praying about that and we really do think that that may be a lot of the places the Lord is leading us. Like we want to do conferences. Like Mm -hmm. we want to be able to, because, and the reason why I focus on business building and YouTube and all that stuff is, you know, the reality of it is when you do have mental illness and you're broke, broke people can't help people. And we're, 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 we were in such destitute places that we said, well, let's start building a business and assets, mm-hmm. and then let's t- teach everybody else how to do the same. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're, you know, started a entrepreneurial one-on-one academy. Just just launched it like two days ago, and oh, it's yeah, I know. I was like, hey, why not? You know, but and, and my YouTube is growing and stuff like that, and it, and my YouTube is dealing with content creation and all those things. And we just crossed the three hundred subscriber line at the at this recording, so we're super that's cool there. Awesome after only having our channel for a few months. Um, Yeah. So, so we're seeing God move in a lot of the things, but like we have dreams of hosting like, um, you know, conferences where we're teaching business and life and and relationship in the midst of it. Cause we don't think that you can separate one from the other. Nope. Nope. I couldn't agree more. And when you go on YouTube, look up Lead with Jim. That's oh, how gosh. You find him. <laughs> Thank you. Because that was my next question is where do people find you? Like, what's the best way to connect with you guys? 
So, so the best way to connect with us is I'm all over social media. So if you want to connect with both of us, lead with Jim on any platform, uh, we'll get okay. to me. And if you want to get to Mary, just go through, you know, my, my channels. And that's simply because we haven't set her up yet for that public expression. Mm -hmm. um, so we're, we're working on that and we want to make sure that all the ducks are in a row. Um, gotcha. www.leadwithjim.live will give you directly to my YouTube channel. Awesome. And, um, you know, we do, I, like I said, I do lives every week. I do content. I'm dropping a, another three, a three or four minute video in the morning. So, so it, I'm on Instagram and Facebook, but everywhere you go, Twitter, I don't matter. Lead with Jim. Well, and just so you know, I will have, I'm going to get them from you later, but I will have links to all of that in the show notes as well. So awesome. people can just click yeah. and go straight to you from the show notes. Yay. Absolutely. And as, as a, if you want something for your, your, your tribe, this year I wrote an ebook on understanding you and I really go into the disc personality where I say, Hey, here's, it's like 10 pages long. And it really says, here's your personality. Here's a real basic test on how to tell. Um, I do offer a paid test that is like a 30 page thing that will give you everything from the sun on how to do it. But I'll give the, uh, the ebook that I wrote uh, for yeah. free to your, to your crowd. Um, oh, I love that. Thank you. I can't wait to look at it because actually yeah. another person on, on the podcast mentioned this profile and I was like, oh, I've never done this. Yeah. And it really does help because one of the things. Saved I, our marriage. Yes. One of the things I would say, like, like he said, when, when you're trapped in the, the illnesses speaking, when that is over, there's ways to navigate that. But when that's over and you're speaking with me. Mm -hmm. you know, the real me, who mm -hmm. I am, because I'm not my illnesses, you know, Amen. Um, I'm not my illnesses. So I have, I, I believe I have an SC personality, what's called an SC. Uh, S is very, even though I'm not an extrovert, I'm very, uh, well, S's generally are introverts. S's are very steady, very yeah. loyal, very quiet, very yeah. shy. C's are very like everything is a ducks in a row. A plus B always has to equal C. So I, so I connect with people, but my way of connecting with people is one-on-one, -on -one, yeah. very one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. So that's the S. And then the C is very, um, details, details. Give me details. Mm. I want all the details and I want to know how it works, A plus B plus C equals yeah. D. Um, and just him knowing how to speak to me once we found out that that's my personality helped our marriage so much. Yeah. You know, um, when the ashes settled after something mm -hmm. and he could speak to me in the way that I needed to hear it afterward so yeah. we could restore what had happened and knit ourselves back together again from what the illness tried to destroy, you know, yeah, it, it helped a lot. I love that. And it's yeah. not just marriages, it's any relationship that you use this for. And again, SCs are introverted. Cs are task driven. Ss are uh, people driven. So you have an introverted passive people and a task orientation there. Um, I'm an I, so I'm like on the aggressive side, but I'm an I, which deals with people. Like, give me people, 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 give me a microphone, give me some mm -hmm. time. To talk. And we Listen, we can do this podcast for another three hours and I would have no problem. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying like, I, I that's Mary what and I cannot handle that. No, she couldn't. <laughs> and she usually tells me just go off and do your own thing. But, but so, so we'll just, I'll just make sure I'll give you the, the link to that. And then you Thank just, you. For your, 
you can have that. And if anybody wants to go deeper with that, I do companies, corporate, but I also do individual training on that as well. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, any, any final words, any little nuggets that you want to leave? I just can't stress enough how, when, when you're with someone that has mental illness, when you have a relationship with them in any way, shape or form, they are not their mental illness. Yeah. That's not who they are. You know, you, you can, you can, you can list off. I did. (laughs) You can list off all the care, all the, all the, it's not, I was going to say character traits. It's not even character traits. You could list off all the, you know, traits of a mental illness and you can say, yes, this person exhibits this, 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 and this, but it's still not who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can, I can give a prime example. My, uh, so is, there's a, a quick background story for like a minute is my grandmother told me a story of how she lost her older brother before she was even born. Her, her mother was walking with uh, her son, my grandmother's mm-hmm. older brother, and he uh, he got pulled away um, on a street corner by a truck and, you know, died. Um, yeah. And I, when she told me that story, I never forgot it. And when I had my children, every parking lot, everywhere that I've ever been, where there's been vehicles around, I always put my body between me and my children, you know, whenever we're walking around, mm-hmm. you know, vehicles, never forgotten that. And because that's who I am, I'm loving and I'm, I, I, I care, you know, and I, I want my children to be safe. Um, that's who I am. So when I'm screaming at the top of my lungs at my children and scaring them to death, that's the illness. It's not who I am. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. So, so my, my wisdom bomb is going to come. I call them wisdom bombs. Like I, this, if you ever look (laughs) at my profile, you'll see wisdom bombs all over it. Um, is, you know, if you think about it, Corinthians says, love is kind, love is, love is patient, love is kind. It's never this, right? One of the things I would tell your audience is learn to love beyond the feelings. Because in the midst of the feelings, it's easy to withhold love. When mm. they're triggered or they're at a triggered state, they need the most love. They don't need you to draw back. They need you to draw in. And so if love is going to be patient and love is going to be kind, it's, ne- it's long suffering and all those things. It's understanding that my love and when I say I love you, it's not a feeling. It's a commitment. Yeah. And it means that I'm going to go deeper and I'm going to be here when all the dust settles and you don't ever have to worry about me leaving. Um, And whatever happens, whatever scars, whatever things we need, we'll work through. But I love you and your illness is just a challenge we have to go through. Yep. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I just play the clip of what you two just said, like that would be so much for people to, yes. Thank you. Thank you. If you haven't already looked, all the links for Jim and Mary are in the show notes, just as we we mentioned. And if you enjoyed this episode or you think that it could really be a value to somebody that you know of who is going through mental illness, whether it's they are personally or their family is, whatever the, the situation may be, 
please share this episode with them. And if you feel inclined, I would appreciate if you left a written review on Apple. It's just a way for other people to get to see that people are listening to this podcast and regularly engaging with it. But if you don't want to leave a review and you just want to share the episode, that is great too. I just appreciate that you're here and that you listen and you're still listening at this point. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I can't wait to see you next week.